Welcome to another gathering of the Gold Key Adventurers Society. Have a seat by the fire as we prepare to help you unlock the secrets of the travel life. From theme park thrills to Purple Mountain's majesty, we want to see it all and do it all, and we want to help you do the same. We all have those bucket list trips, once-in-a-lifetime destinations that we'll get to someday. We're here to help you make your travel dreams a reality. Buy the ticket, take the trip. Where do you want to go? Come on, come on, come on, now tell me what's on your bucket list. Okay, hey, okay, hey, it's a beautiful day. Okay, hey, okay, hey, it's a beautiful day. Birthday! We're spending the next 18 months celebrating the Magic Kingdom's 50th anniversary and kicking it off with some weird and wonderful Disney World history. But first, travel news, including Disneyland's back in business, French wine country, the Tay Tay Way, and a pair of BA women of Imagineering. Grab your ears and sprinkle some pixie dust. It's time to hit the trail with the Gold Key Adventure Society! Walking right down the middle of Main Street, USA, surrounded by the sights and sounds of a long past and mostly fictional version of America with the weenies from the lands of tomorrow, fantasy adventure, and the Wild West looming in the distance, it's easy to feel the weight of 50 years worth of history, especially when you look up and see all the names on the shop windows of the incredibly creative and talented people who bring the Magic Kingdom to life. We've got plenty of time to explore and celebrate it all. If Disney sticks to their usual schedule, this anniversary celebration should last at least 18 months. So let's kick off the festivities with a look at some of our personal favorite stories about the history of Walt Disney World, but first, I was wondering... To help celebrate Walt Disney World's big anniversary, you've been assigned the task of creating the newest Instagram-friendly snack for the Magic Kingdom. One that looks great in pictures, but it's a little suspect in the taste department. What is your creation? I believe the kids are using the word sus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with a turkey leg that looks like a popcorn bucket. (gasps) Ooh. Mm-hmm. A turkey leg that looks, <laughs> but not a popcorn bucket that looks like a turkey. Leg. No, no, no. <laughs> I like the switch there. That's you really switched it you up. See That's what I did there? <laughs> it's gonna look great on the gram. If they actually use an emo emu leg, you could like only cut. Oh. You could cut well, we a lid off and week, hollow it out, and and pour some popcorn in there. It could actually be a popcorn bucket made out of a turkey leg. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking of a variation on the. Uh, thing they have that looks like the Japanese garden, but it would be Marie's litter box. <laughs> That'd do great in Japan. <laughs> Actually, it probably would. I was going to say that, you know, they have those, now those, like, dome cupcakes that they keep coming out with that has, like, the Epcot dome on top. I want to do one that's Bob Chapek's bald head. <laughs> but don't worry, like, if you're, if you're you know, diabetic or you can't have too much sugar, if you break it open, just like the real head, there's nothing but empty ideas inside. It's, it's hollow. It's just nothing in there yeah. but just bad ideas. That sounds great. Receipts. <laughs> and Bob Iger hiding in there, like, I'm still running things. <laughs> uh, would you guys remember those piece of Disney history pins? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking uh-huh. take that idea in a cupcake. And we can take like light bulbs from Main Street and stick it in the cupcake. That's a great idea. <laughs> and the disclaimer that will be added on after someone eats the light bulb. Nobody yeah. will notice. That flavor Nobody is copper. <laughs> <laughs> or they could just buy light bulbs at Walmart and then tell people that they were used on Main Street, like they did with those uh, electrical parade light bulbs. 
paint half oh, yeah. of one of them you red. You think those weren't really electrical parade light bulbs? They plugged them into the socket, and then they pulled it right back out. <laughs> There's one cast member that had that job for a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was looking around. Have you noticed that one of the big trends right now is ridiculously large food items? It's mm-hmm. like giant pizzas or yep. giant taco. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I saw a post on some travel site last week from a restaurant in New York. It's a Greek restaurant and they they bring a whole spit roasted lamb out to your table Whoa. And, and 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 carve it on the table side and just put it on a giant board. So I was thinking that they could go back to Gaston's and not only bring back the pork shank, but just bring back the whole dang a pig. A whole pig. I serve it to you on like pig. a <laughs> just put that pig on a six foot long skewer and you've got to carry it around the park with two people and you can just take a fork and pull the meat off as you go they grow that one watermelon in the mold so it's mickey shape they could take a lamb and make it just oh. its head stick out and the rest of it grow into this mold so that's hideously mickey shape and then Ew. cook it and carve it in front of me you're truly living with the lamb Living with the lamb. When we get to the animal mutilation, we know it's time to start the news. It is time to move on. Uh, The news this week is brought to you by Key to the World Travel. Key to the World Travel is a full-service travel agency specializing in theme parks, cruising, and destinations around the world. Head to www.keytotheworldtravel.com for more details and a no-obligation quote on the vacation of a lifetime. Jess, there's some really cool things happening in California next Yes, there are movements in California to uh, return to normalcy for the theme parks. Um, We just got an announcement uh, from California that theme parks can reopen as early as April 1st under some updated new guidelines uh, from the state's health departments. But there's some caveats, right? Yes. So it's it's not so simple. Uh, basically, the uh, the counties that the theme parks are located in have to reach uh, the red or substantial tier two risk status. Uh, but the good news is, is that Orange County and Los Angeles uh, counties are expected to move into that tier this week. They're um, what purple right now? Chartreuse? Yeah, what? yeah. They're they're like on the cusp. <laughs> they're they're turning mauve. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. And yeah, this is part of uh, Governor Newsom's refresh on his uh, four-tier blueprint for safer recovery. And uh, when they do reopen, they're going to be able to open at 15% capacity while they're in that. 15, one, five. Yeah. (laughs) So it's going to be like 10 people in the parks, which is going to be amazing for those 10 people. And those 10 people have to be California residents, right? Yeah. So yeah, it has to be California residents. Um, They will kick it up to... um, Different as they hit different tiers, they'll they'll kick up the capacity a little bit. But and yeah, right now until the foreseeable future, it's just for California residents. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how long that part is going to be. And I also wonder, did Disney kind of have some rumblings that this was happening and that's contributed to the no more annual passes? That was the first thing I thought when I saw that, like, if it's only California residents. And if- I was thinking that it's probably just because they reached, I mean, the, they've been, the park's been closed since March of last year. They're reaching that one year part where it's real easy to clear the slate of AP holders because they couldn't renew. So 
it's probably a little bit of both. You know? Yeah. And if you open to only California residents and the people you have coming in or have an annual pass, no one's buying a ticket. Yeah. It's there's no money coming in. Exactly. And so. California residents rolling there with their own taco bar in their pocket. <laughs> in their <laughs> to be clear, though, this all this is, is that the California has passed regulation that say they could open right. there's nothing right. whatsoever from, nothing disney from disney suggesting that they're actually going you know ken ken potrock the president of disneyland did release a statement and said that they're encouraged that they now have a path to reopening this spring but yeah we don't have a, a specific he didn't date. give and a date yet no not yet it's also it would take a minute probably to fire it all up and bring in a lot of yeah they're bringing in thousands of cast members. Figure out how many. But this is good. It's encouraging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's better than any of us was expecting. I didn't expect to see Disneyland back until fall. And I mean, I yeah. guess for and the rest of the country, we may not. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to do that new, that re, that revamped Snow White attraction, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I have, a, I have a trip for Zach. I, I feel like this trip was was designed just for you. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a French hotel, mm-hmm. and they are offering a Taylor Swift package. Sign me up. Yeah this the <laughs> this thing is themed after Taylor's champagne problems, specifically that song because and caviar it's this, dreams. Yeah, this <laughs> hotel is in the Champagne region. It's the Royal Champagne Hotel and Spa. And they have designed this package specifically, not just for T-Swift fans, but also if you're going through a breakup and you want to listen to Taylor Swift, drink champagne and have a trip that's all about you, you can go to this place that's it's about 45 minutes outside of Paris. And they're calling the package their Champagne Solutions Package. Mm-hmm. And it actually sounds pretty nice. You arrive at the hotel and you'll be greeted with a bottle of Dom Perignon, just like Taylor sings about. And then in the morning, you can have a mimosa on your private balcony overlooking all of the champagne vineyards. There's a spa, a 16,000 foot spa. Uh, they, they recommend a, a, a facial to dry away your unwanted tears. <laughs> uh, they have some michelin starred restaurants on site and the views from this place look just incredible the pack the champagne solutions package includes a round trip t- train ticket from paris so you can spend the day wandering the streets and the eating baguettes and then head back out to to it's your baguettes Hey, you get a you get a bottle of wine and a baguette and a chunk of cheese and sit there by the sand and there is a downside to this package. You have to you have to sleep with John Mayer. So (laughs) yeah, he is also waiting about your body being a wonderland. He's also waiting for you in your room with that (laughs) bottle of Dom (laughs) making his guitar face. Yeah. Um, they will also blast Taylor Swift's music in your room for you oh, if you want. Fine. Whether you want it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering where the actual connection to Taylor Swift was. I was hoping Zach could tell us uh, where are they just using her name to sell 
hotel rooms or uh... yes yeah it's it's really they're they're used they're the whole thing is based on her song champagne problems they're just she'll be shutting that down soon. yeah they're just gratuitously <laughs> oh, using her song to to market their hotel well they had to do it there because Otherwise, the package would be called um, Sparkling Wine Problems. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. I just, I saw this uh, a few weeks ago and it made that. me think of you. So I, I saved that for you. Let's, Thank you. let's go to for France. For any listeners that don't know, Zach used to be her road tour manager. <laughs> 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 let's go to France and drink champagne and listen to T-Swift, Zach. Sounds perfect to me. As soon as France lets us in. <laughs> I need to get vaccinated first. If you want to take a trip that's equally as epic, but closer to home and doesn't require a vaccination, a oh. uh, few years, we might have some luck. Yeah, a few. A few. Um, <laughs> we've got uh, news that work is officially resuming on Universal Orlando's Epic Universe. So this uh, officially paused in July of last year, and they've actually still been doing some land clearing there has been still some movement in the past few months um but now they have made the official announcement that they're back working on it um they're expected to take several months before reaching full speed as they restaff for the project and reassemble the teams and uh it's going to feature a new theme park entertainment center hotels shops restaurants and more and on a 750 acre site a few miles from uh, Universal Orlando's current campus. And now the projected date. Yeah, the projected date used to be 2023. Now they're saying 2025. So uh, tack on one year, one year delay. <laughs> added on two years. Yeah. Added on two years. Yeah. Hmm. I am well, excited by this. I was ex- I wasn't expecting it to happen so quickly. I thought it yeah. was gonna be a little longer. That's what she said. <laughs> it was a goner. <laughs> No, I, yeah. I figured they were still going to do it. I just, I was with you. I didn't think we were going to hear about them starting up work for another couple of years, at least. Yeah. So, but I figured they'd started in 23. So that's encouraging. But this yeah. way, if they spread it out over two years, it's more it's uh, spreading out over different fiscal years. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This right. will also allow them to JPEG it and scale it down from what they had shown before. I know. <laughs> don't get too attached to that concept art we saw. Is this where Super Nintendo's going to go? That's what we think, right, Jess? Yeah, that's uh, what it looks like in the concept art. And honestly, with its debut uh, overseas and it already being such a big property, I don't think we'll see that disappear. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of the more uh, easier to remove and replace properties gone. Like, as much as I want a classic Universal Monsters Land... I could see that being the first thing that gets cut if they're going to do Ooh, it. Oh no! Yeah, I, I, it's just my son. Yeah, the, you know, doesn't even know who they are, and I'm I'm a huge <laughs> fan, and he's like, I don't care. So they're not going to get those kids. The reboots they keep trying to do of the classic monsters haven't been the giant hits they wanted them to be. Either. Yeah, they had it all planned out with with Tom Cruise and everybody, and that failed, so they scrapped it. That so was their first mistake. I, I can see it happening. They yeah. forgot to write good movies. They planned yeah. the <laughs> theme parks and stuff. Well, it's, it's all about, we got to have a cinematic are. universe now. Marvel has a cinematic universe. Let's just throw everything at it. And it, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. You got to spend the 10 years building it up. So, Or the 50 years having amazing characters and stories. Exactly. Yeah. 
Those characters were already all tied together by Abbott and Costello. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> That's true. They need to redo that. <laughs> they really dropped the ball they there. They could do Kid and Play featuring all of this. Well, they're still going to make the Brooklyn Gorilla movie from that, from that universe. The Rock so be and uh, Kevin, what's his name? The Hart. little short Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Hart. Have well, those two perfect. versus all the monsters. One oh, movie. yeah. There you go. Boom. <laughs> The crazy thing is that just two years later, yeah. you're going to be able to visit a hotel in outer freaking space. Outer space. No, thank you. The first space hotel they're projecting will open in 2027. And you can even buy a villa there, a vacation home in space. Hold up. This is actually going to open before the space themed restaurant at Epcot. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> So this is, it's going to be called the Voyager Station, and it's by, by a company called Orbital Assembly. And the thing that I think is crazy is they're scheduled to begin construction in 2026, and they plan to open it to guests in just a year later in 2027. So I'm assuming that guess, means they're like making stuff on the ground and that just yeah, means assembly just up there. there. The whole thing will be assembled here or created here and then taken up. Uh, they have a partnership with SpaceX. So the pictures of this thing are actually pretty cool. And it is going to have gravity because it it looks like a giant Ferris wheel with these pods all the way around mm -hmm. it. And so it will simulate gravity by spinning. Looks like the 2001 cool. Space Odyssey shit. Yeah. Very, yeah, that's very what's much. tripping me out is There's... the fact that that actually is what we're going with. <laughs> like, yeah. This is how we're doing it. Oh, yeah. It. <laughs> right? Yeah. I hope Hal is not in there. <laughs> what are you doing, Dave? But there's going to be 200 and uh, accommodations for up to 280 guests, a, a restaurant, a bar, a gym, a, an entertainment space. They're they're going for a high end resort in Earth orbit, which is I don't know, kind of cool. I want to do this. Yeah, you can uh, buy a, a villa there and have a, a vacation home in space. Now, they say that eventually, this is the key word, eventually they want it to cost not much more than a luxury cruise or a luxury resort. Oh. However, they are taking reservations right now, and currently a three-night stay go for the low, low price of $5 million. They got a lot uh, of corners to cut. Per person? <laughs> per person. Wow. That is and correct. Does that include the transportation it there? It does. <laughs> your, it includes transfers. It includes your transfers via SpaceX's, <laughs> uh, the the, uh, the passenger ship that they're working on. And I can't remember what they're calling that. But Is this uh, one that blows up on landing? Yes, this is the one that they have not successfully gotten off the ground yet. It continually blows up. So, Good. yeah, I'm hoping that Sometimes they, they get, get off the those... ground and then it crashes when it lands. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that is true. So close. I'm thinking maybe it'd be okay if they let it slide until maybe, say, 2028, 2029. Just to make sure. Yeah, I want a lot of people to have paid their money and gone on that trip to make sure it's safe before I go. But I would absolutely go if we can get it working correctly. They've pushed back the opening a little bit already. They were originally hoping to have it done by 2025, same as Epic Universe. Epic mm. out of this universe. And when they first talked about it, it was going to be called the Von Braun 
rotating space station, but they decided that naming it after Werner von Braun was a little controversial, and maybe they would not go ahead and do that. So they changed it. Everything in Huntsville is named after him. Yeah. And I don't know, it's a bit, a little bit of the cancel culture lately. Everybody is is learning about his early work. He can hardly be a Nazi anymore. (laughs) They're going back with their original Hitler one, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the Disney company company hasn't backed down on on their connection to him. Yeah. Still have his show up on Disney+. Disney's connected to Hitler? (laughs) No. No. Werner Braun von Werner, Braun. Werner von Braun. It's an early version of Hall of Presidents. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. He like wrote that man in space. Thing. The Hall of Dictators. <laughs> that was going to be the Hall of Presidents for the villains theme. Uh, the Hall of Presidents. Uh, original dad in the yes. uh, Carousel of Progress. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you guys. This thing looks really cool, and I want to go to space. So yeah, I'm I'd gonna start. I'm gonna start saving now. See, my thing yeah. is, is by the time I think we're all able to like go and do this and and afford it, and it's safe and everything, they're gonna be like, "No, I'm sorry, you're too old. You can't go into space yeah. anymore." <laughs> ah, so I close. Have zero interest in that. Maybe medical advances will have uh, come along to give you new youth. Before. Space 220 restaurants more up my alley. <laughs> Hopefully that opens before this. Fingers crossed, you guys. <laughs> Don't Fingers hold your crossed. Well, something else. Something, something, something. Jess, Epcot's new entrance. <laughs> yes, Epcot has a new entrance. Uh, they've got a new lighting and music package that has debuted at their main entrance uh, to go along with the... <laughs> To go along with the new fountain and the removal of the tombstones. Um, so this is a highly energy efficient programmable LED lighting with nearly 3000 individually controlled points of light uh, that blend together to create color gradients and patterns. Mm. And then they've also put this kind of light ribbon around the entire rim of the plaza that is on like the, uh, the monorail track. And that changes color too. And it all goes together with new music that they've put in. And then a whole bunch, uh, they put in flags that now have the symbols from all the new areas, pavilions that they're going to be putting in. Eventually. Very cool. So now it they have to do gorgeous. those pavilions. Seen pictures. Yeah, it looks really great. It looks very gay. <laughs> it does. <laughs> can, I be, can I be the dissenting voice? Maybe it I'm looks better in it. person, but all of those colorful LEDs just look like a, they look like a high schooler's video gaming room with their like LEDs. Yeah. And stuff. Have, have you seen my son's room? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. Like yes. The mouse yeah, you know pad you... and the mouse and the, right. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Let's put color-changing LEDs everywhere, everywhere that we can. I'm sure it's lovely in person. It changed the music, too. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There's not as much Yanni and John Tesh now, but <laughs> I'm all right with that. Rats. Bummer. <laughs> I thought they were the same person. <laughs> They really Yon-tesh. are. You never see them together. You know, they're actually Hall and Oats, but that's like their night gig. <laughs> night gig. But they get a little edgier. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, there's there's new music that is uh it's very orchestral and triumphant and just yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's definitely they've they've really basically they're 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 hitting you over the head when you walk in the park now. So I'm gonna enjoy my world showcase entrance. 
It screams future. <laughs> in yeah. the future, everything it screams will be in nightclub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think that looks cool. Yeah, no, but it's. I also it's, think those video game setups look cool. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's. I can't wait till they install the foam machines. <laughs> I'm or there for that. Reinstall the cool fiber optic walkways that actually kind of go with the lighting now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That'd be cool. They take those away. I'm assuming so. It was in the area that they ripped up. Yeah, they're it? they're tearing up everything. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that come back, but those original lights are gone. That technology was just it's too outdated. They can't keep up. <laughs> it's fiber optics. That's what we're using for our internet these days, isn't it? Oh, that was their excuse for the... Dan, you have fancy <laughs> interwebs. No, I wish I had that <laughs> fancy of an interweb, but you know, I aspire to that. Um, well, going from the future, looking back at some history, Zach has a new uh, recurring segment for us. We're going to look at uh, celebrating Women's History Month at the Disney parks. This is my first step to becoming a recurring character. <laughs> no. I'm just waiting for my spinoff. Um, no, I want to talk a little bit about a couple, actually a couple women this week and then a couple a couple women a little bit later. Um, we'll probably start with the one I think that most people are familiar with, at least Disney Parks fans are most familiar with, um, Mary mm-hmm. Blair, uh, who worked uh, in two different two different segments of the Walt Disney Company, worked in Imagineering and animation. Uh, Mary Blair was born in Oklahoma in 1911, and she attended, and I I hope I'm saying this correctly, and Heather, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I believe it is French, the Chouinard Art Institute Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot to add the... Bless you. Of course, it's no longer called the Chouinard. It's uh, called uh, California Institute of the Arts or CalArts, which I know is where a lot of Disney animation artists kind of cut their teeth. Mary Blair aspired to be a fine artist, but ultimately ended up taking a job in the animation department at Metro Goldwyn Meyer Studios um, because of the Great Depression. So I guess is a little more stable than trying to become a fine artist. Um, she joined the Walt Disney Studios in 1940, and in 1941. She uh, joined the studios on a three-month expedition to South America, where her watercolor paintings and artwork result in her being the art supervisor for the three Caballeros and Saludos Amigos. Very cool. She continued to work on post-war Disney productions such as Song of the South, Make My Music, Melody Time, So Dear to My Heart, which is everyone's (laughs) favorite, Uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad, and then probably the three most popular films that she worked on with Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter nah. Pan. Dan, are you a big fan of So Dear to My Heart? Oh, I was just pointing out that the lamb, isn't the lamb's name Danny? It is. Yes. Danny mm-hmm. the lamb. Yeah. There's like three people in the I world. Knew, and I knew that on our on our ABD trip a couple years ago, and the Imagineer gave me points for mm-hmm. that. She took a small break from Disney after working on those, you know, those, those little films, um, and uh, worked as a freelance graphic designer and illustrator. Uh, most notably for her work in the Little Golden Books, oh. I think we're all familiar mm-hmm. with. And then uh, a little bit later, Walt asked Mary to come back and assist in the creation of arguably her most famous work. Does anyone want to take a guess what that is? Um, creepy Dolls? It's a small world. It's a small world. They're not creepy. They're cute. I was just being silly. And, you know, I don't know. Can we even do we credit her for the dolls? I don't know. I mean, she designed them. She designed the costumes to help worked on the costumes, didn't she? Yeah, Yeah. I know the overall geometric patterns and colors Mm -hmm. and all that was all. Yeah, it was all based off of her drawings and paintings. Mm -hmm. Her drawings. Um, 
Of course, and then the the It's a Small World eventually moved to Disneyland and then was replicated for Walt Disney World. She's also you can also find her uh, work in Walt Disney World uh, in the Grand Canyon yes. Concourse at Walt Disney World's Contemporary Resort Hotel, which is where I will be later me too, this me too. week. Uh, which is com- comprised of eighteen thousand hand painted tiles and ninety feet tall, and features everyone's the favorite five legged goat. goat. I love him. Yeah. Now, real quick on the mural, um, does anybody else know where you can find her murals in a domestic Disney theme park? Her murals? Hmm. Disneyland had one in Tomorrowland. Where, Dan? Tomorrowland? Yeah, Tomorrowland. And actually, isn't it hidden behind something still? Uh, they're they're yeah. technically still there, but they were covered up. I believe one was covered up in the 80s and that was covered up in the 90s. Oh. Um, they're uh, near where Star Tours is and Buzz oh. Lightyear. But there are still two murals. They didn't take them down and destroy them. They're still there, but they're covered. Huh. It's a shame because they're actually, I think, they're her best. They're, they're the best, some of the best work she did. You can take a look at those I would online. like to um, see them. She's often uh, touted as the artist that was uh, that introduced modern art to Walt mm-hmm. Disney, uh, which I think we can all uh, say that he probably, went, uh, he, when he took that inspiration and he kind of ran with it because he, he very much... Uh, Embrace the mid-century mm-hmm, modern look. Definitely. I've got a couple of quotes from her contemporaries. Mark Davis um, was quoted saying she brought modern art to Walt in a way that no one else did, and he was so excited about her work. Uh, animator Frank Thomas said, Mary was the first artist I knew of to have different shades of red next to each other. You just didn't do that, but Mary made it work. I remember seeing that on one of the wonderful World of Disney's. They, they commented on that, and I, I guess I'd never really noticed that before. Yeah, that was, and that was a, it seems so funny that that was a, uh, such a bold thing to do. Yeah, groundbreaking. groundbreaking. Two shades of red. What? (laughs) Unfortunately, the world did become slightly less colorful on July 26, 1978, when Mary did pass away. She was inducted as a Disney legend, the most prestigious, the most, the most Most prestigious, the most prestigious (laughs) honor bestowed by the Walt Disney Company. Although I I would argue that there's one a little bit more prestigious. Uh, In 1991, under the categories of animation and Imagineering, and you can, and I have, uh, visited her plaque and handprints in Legends Plaza at the Walt Disney Studios mm-hmm. in Burbank. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also honored with what I consider to be the most prestigious honor given by the Walt Disney Company, a Main Street window. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't have her own. She does share it, uh, but she's in good company. She has uh, a, a window that states um, Center Street Academy of Fine Art, Painting and Sculpture, and her name is listed with Colin Campbell. Herb Ryman, Blaine Gibson, and Dorothea Redmond. Um, and she got a Google Doodle on October 20th, That's 2011, so cool. in honor of her 100th birthday, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, if you want to learn more about Mary Blair, there is a book that I highly recommend that I have in my personal library called The Art and Flair of Mary Blair by John Canemaker. Highly recommend that one. Go check it out. Don't they also have a really good uh, children's picture book? Parker? There is a children's picture book. I can't remember uh, the title. Pocket Pocket Full of Colors or something like yes, that? Yes, Pocket Full of Colors. It's a, a picture book, and it kind of talks a little bit about, a lo- basically covers some of the history that I talked about, but really dives into her relationship with the Disney company, because I think it was published by Disney. So, of course, they're going to highlight that that era of her life. Uh, one of my favorite artists, for sure. I really like her work. Um, it's definitely stood the test of time and very colorful. And It's a Small World is one of my favorite attractions. 
Even though it has creepy dolls. And then, <laughs> even though it does have creepy dolls. Um, let's talk about a not-so-creepy doll, Miss Alice Davis. Um, she was also, she was an Imagineer that worked for Disney. Uh, also married to the famous Mark Davis. I think most people are probably Ooh. familiar mm-hmm. with, um... She was born in Escalon, California in 1929. She also attended Chouinard Institute in Los Angeles. Um, while attending, she met her future husband, who was Mark Davis. He was an instructor at the time. Uh, well, I don't know if he was an instructor while she was, well, I guess she had to have been. Mm. The whole student-teacher relationship. She had yeah. a crush on her teacher. <laughs> she uh, is most famously noted for designing and dressing animated figures in It's a Small World and Pirates of the Caribbean. She got her start with Disney after receiving a call from her former instructor and future husband about needing a costume design and created for Helene Stanley to wear for some live-action reference work for Briar Rose and Sleeping mm. Beauty. Uh, that job eventually led to her job designing costumes for Disney live-action movie. Everyone's favorite, Toby Tyler. Oh, that is I've a never movie. heard of that movie. Good old Toby Taylor. <laughs> but <laughs> everyone, it's a classic. Uh, Walt, Walt then recruited Alice in 1963 to design costumes for It's a Small World attraction for the 1964 New York World's that Fair. Alice, Alice did collaborate with Mary Blair to design and create costumes for the children in the attraction. So they got to work together. Uh, during this time, Alice also formulated costuming procedures set up a manufacturing base and developed quality control refurbishing techniques which established the standards for 3D dimen- for three-dimensional characters and rides and shows created by Walt Disney Imagineering. 1965 she translated the designs by her husband Mark Davis and made them real life for his attraction Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Alice also contributed to the costume design for General Electric's Flight to the Moon and Carousel of Progress, which is my favorite. Um, Mark and Alice did marry in 1965. She was inducted as a Disney legend in 2004 in the category of Imagineering. And she actually has her own window on Disneyland's Main Street, USA. She received that on May 10th, 2012. And it reads, Small World Costuming Company, Alice Davis, Seamstress to the Stars. Very cool. Should I share my pirate story, Zach? Yes. Yes, go ahead, Dan. Uh, When she was costuming for the pirates, she she complained that they had made the the figures a little too anatomically correct, and she had to cut the costumes to hide their bulging packages. <laughs> oh. That's so funny. But then also, and kind of was, interesting... That was just on the redhead. <laughs> uh, she also... Uh, they, they wanted to go cheap on the costumes, and um, she insisted that they let her make duplicate sets for the pirates and for small world and she came up with the whole system where she's got a book with samples of all the fabric that they use for those costumes and really detailed patterns and stuff so they can recreate them exactly as they originally at least and I, if i'm not mistaken i do believe that walt disney company still does con- consult with her from time to time um although she's officially retired so she's alive i'm guessing too <laughs> nope ouija board yes, she is still alive <laughs> <laughs> they over the Haunted Mansion. Yeah. It's very complicated. Thank God they built that attraction. Uh, well, stick around because after the commercial break, school is in session as we kick off our celebration of 50 years of Walt Disney World early with some lessons in Disney World history. 
When it comes to planning your next adventure, knowledge and preparation are always key. That's why a call to your Key to the World Travel Vacation Planner should always be at the top of your to-do list when you feel the urge to venture forth and explore the world. Key to the World Travel is an authorized Disney vacation planner, specializing in travel to Disney theme parks around the world, as well as Disney Cruise Line, Alani, and Adventures by Disney. With over 450 travel advisors who share a deep love for Disney destinations, Key to the World Travel has a wealth of knowledge and passion to help you experience all the magic with none of the work. Wherever your wanderlust is driving you, Key to the World Travel is a full-service travel agency with the expertise to get you where you want to go. So whether you're headed to Universal Studios, Hawaii, Europe, or somewhere a little farther off the beaten track, your first step should always be to visit www.keytotheworldtravel.com for a no-obligation quote. Their expert travel planners are standing by to help you with every detail of your perfect vacation. That's www.keytotheworldtravel.com or at Key to the World Travel on Facebook. Key to the World Travel, your key to a magical vacation. I hope you're good at tuning out annoying background noise. And if you listen to this show, then you should have a lot of practice at this. Because I thought the best possible place to record this week's discussion of fascinating Walt Disney World history would be from one of the coveted seats on Main Street, USA's horse-drawn trolleys. Right up front, so you get a great view of the walking end of the horses. And of course, that wonderful clip-clop, clip-clop bully effect, which is perfect when you want people to be able to hear you clearly. I slipped the driver at 20 to keep doing loops of Main Street while we talk, so let's get started. The walking end of the horse, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Is that the bus? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say the business end, but then I didn't want to get into that discussion. The party end. (laughs) 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 Which one of us is walking behind the rest, picking up the boot? Don't they have little... Little I always feel bags. bad for that guy. <laughs> they have the Merida from Brave come out all regal on her enormous horse, and there's the court people, and everybody's dressed beautifully, and then there's a fancy, silky guy. I love that they cart. always wave, though. If you wave at them, they will wave back at you. <laughs> they will wave yeah, back. I always feel bad. Yeah. I'm just scooping them. the poop. <laughs> you might get a little piece of poop flung on you. I was the first one they call back after layoffs. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Crappy work, but someone's got to do it. And you get to be in the parade every day. (laughs) That's right. It's showbiz. And if you'd like to see a poop cart, (laughs) call Key to the Real Travel. Uh, Hey, guys, have you ever noticed that weird dome on top of Cosmic Ray Starlight Cafe? It's right above where Sunny Eclipse uh, does his his Mm -hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. I have not. Mm-hmm. Do you know why that's there? If if you do, pretend you don't. Is that to catch the smell <laughs> of the horrible food they make there? To like just sort of catch it all up in the ceiling? Yeah, they got a they got a ventilation system up there. They also have. Uh, um, turns out that Sunny Eclipse is sitting right on top of the utilidors, oh. and that dome is right above Sunny Eclipse, oh. and they can raise him up into that dome because he's on top of an elevator, and what? underneath him is an empty stage that lifts up from the Utilidors because they used to have musical acts. They actually occasionally use them still. Yeah. 
Sometimes they have youth musical groups come in now and perform there. Well, and when they have the holiday parties, that's where the DJ is because they'll have like a dance party there. I just never really thought of that. I just thought they were on top of him. Yeah, and I've seen the list of different options for uh, the youth performing arts stuff, and I've seen that on there and couldn't figure out where they were. They raised him and his stage all the way up, and another stage comes up. Huh, yeah, he's like cool. on top of an elevator, basically, and there's no stage underneath him. So they raise him up from the utility doors, and they had they used to have weird acts sometimes play there. There were minor country stars and lots of cover bands that played there. Raised. Walker Jr., Willie, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but by far the coolest act that they ever had there was Michael Iceberg and his amazing iceberg machine. Have you guys was ever he heard into this lettuce? Guy? No. Please tell me it was about lettuce. Michael Eisner. <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, what is an iceberg machine? Well, this dude was an early, early uh, synthesizer enthusiast, oh. and he built his own crazy Frankenstein synthesizer uh, there's pictures that he's got, he's surrounded by like at least eight different keyboards and all of the different modules. Cause here's the crazy thing. He was performing live with those great big, like the plug like old fashioned synthesizers where they'd yeah. have to, yeah, take the cables and move them and plug them in. And there's about 10,000 different dials and knobs that he'd play with. And he rigged this machine up with bicycle gears so he could turn a crank to set all these different settings for him for different parts of the songs um, and to create these different sounds. And he was actually unusually good at recreating different sounds with a synthesizer so he could make animal sounds and uh, different instruments and recreate them really well. Um, was this in the 80s? I could just see this poor guy uh, yeah. like putting on this grand show <laughs> where he's like running around and making all these amazing sounds. And then in the background, it is, Mommy, my hamburger is cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, he performed from the mid 70s to the late 80s. Oh, um, wow. Both, first at Walt Disney World and then he moved out to Disneyland. But um, so Michael Iceberg. Huh? Yeah. And so he would he, he'd play a long set of a mix of classical music done in a futuristic synthesizer style and some original songs. Uh, He would come in, he'd be raised up from the bottom of the stage in this glass pyramid that would unfold and open up and the inside was lined with mirrors so that you could see see the keyboards and all the amazing stuff he was doing because he wanted you to know just how cool synthesizers were. Um, And he's... uh, Nobody will acknowledge it fully, but his musical style lines up with um, the Baroque hoedown and the music for Main Street Electrical Parade and the Electrical oh, Water Pageant. So he didn't He's write that, that piece, music. but <laughs> but it's possible that he kind of inspired the uh, inspired. There is a the full. There's a least. recording of a full show of his from 1977 at Walt Disney oh. World on YouTube. So you could check the whole thing out. Yeah, he did several guest spots on the Johnny Carson show also. So oh. we'll, we'll put some Michael links on our Iceberg. page. There. <laughs> Never yeah. heard of this guy. Yeah, he's super cool uh-uh. in a really nerdy way. But. Was it actually Michael Eisner? <laughs> 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 actually, his name was originally spelled E. It was Michael Eisberg, like E-I-S-B-E-R-G. But I think he changed it to sound less Semitic and more 
cool and imposing Iceberg. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Heisenberg. Yeah. So. Wow. Hmm. That's fascinating. And that's my story. I had, I'm going to take a closer look at the at Sonny's setup next time I'm in Cosmic Rays. Well, I saw just recently on one of the Disney Facebook groups that someone was saying that um, COVID had ruined it and Sonny was gone and uh, that the stage was just an empty stage. So they probably were working on the just animatronic. Working on it. Pulled it up and... <laughs> Sunny's been yeah. Sunny's problematic. Yeah. <laughs> I hope not. But he's so wholesome. He no. He's cool. I, I love all that you know, weird I, stuff I, from the yeah. 70s and 80s. <laughs> they, yeah. I hate the he's food great. there, but yeah. I love Sunny. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I love that they included him on the D23 um, yeah. lunchbox. I believe he's, he on, he's on the artwork on the, on the mm-hmm. lunchbox done by Jody Daly and, and the Kevin, and Jody. Kevin Kidney, I think. Yeah, it's Kevin Bacon so, and Jody I'll, Daly. Oh, <laughs> how could I forget? Well, the thing I wanted to talk about is that sort of same era. Do you guys have you seen ever seen the stuff that they did for the bicentennial? Some of it, yeah, the, my oh, yeah. some of it. My favorite uh-huh. is the parade that ran. It was called America <laughs> on Parade, and it ran from. Started in 75, and I think it ran all the way through, like, 1977 to commemorate the Bicentennial. They had it at both the Magic Kingdom and at Disneyland. And the parade floats in this thing were just bonkers. And I (laughs) wish they would bring this back. I hope that it still exists somewhere. Um, My favorite of the floats... Is And I'm not sure why someone thought this was a great time period in America to commemorate, but it's a float commemorating the Salem witch trials. (laughs) And they've got a witch being dunked in a a cauldron of boiling water. Yeah, for kids. Yeah. And... They'll be bring. They'll be bringing that yeah. back to promote. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And there's a there's a witch in stocks, and one being led to the gallows. And just I can just only imagine being being at Magic Kingdom to watch this parade, and here comes this float. There's a giant. There's a giant turkey being led. Yes, to, yeah, yeah, it's big got a turkey noose being around its neck. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that's getting pardoned. Come on, there's a. There's a float that is just an enormous sandwich. That's my kind of float. Like, this is America on parade. Let's have a float of a sandwich. Like, it's so funny. Uh, it's so funny. And all of the, all of the, like, um, the characters that marched in this parade, every float had them. They were called, were they called the Children of America. Children of the Corn, I think. Was what was the it? Actual term. Jeez. <laughs> That's a Dagwood. They are like they all. They all have like they're creepy, and the research I did says that they were at the actual inspiration for Chucky wow. <laughs> because every float had them, and they had these like big, giant, oversized people of America. That's what they were called, like giant child like almost baby looking heads yeah they were all of them were at least eight foot tall with these heads and but all the heads look like creepy what is it with them and characters that they couldn't figure out how to make them not nightmare inducing until what the 90s like yeah yeah 
They, they had actually, those enormous heads and tiny bodies. Yeah, they reused all of they reused the people of America when Epcot opened. They put them in costumes to match the country, and, and they all were roaming around at the in all the countries in the world showcase. <laughs> it's like a scare zone in Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, it's <laughs> this this parade though was they had um, TV specials of the parade. Yeah, you can watch a film of the full thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to watch that after this. I just found that on the on the worldwide <laughs> interwebs. There, it's yeah. it's so fun, and it was just I, I don't know. It looks like it was would have been so much fun to work on this thing, but it was just kind of bizarre. I think they got the name wrong too. Instead of calling it America on Parade, it should have been a salute to all nations, but mostly America. <laughs> mostly American ones. <laughs> they really just like super that. love America at uh, the <clears throat> Disney parks. Yes. When I was looking for uh, interesting historical stuff, that after the success of, <laughs> they called the success of the American Pavilion at Epcot, they started looking when, during Eisner's big expansion period and wanted to do an entirely America themed park, which led them to buying some land in Virginia from mm-hmm. Exxon, <laughs> where they were going to do Disney's America Park. And it was, Jess, you may know you're in Virginia, but it was like 30 miles from the actual real battlefields. They were going to mm-hmm. make fake battlefields <laughs> and uh, do Civil War reenactments. And uh, But some of the details wound up being kind of cool, the ideas they were going to have, but it was soundly like... Nobody wanted it. There were huge protests, but they were going to have, instead of Main Street, the guest would enter at Crossroads, USA. It was set in the years 1800 through 1850, and as you progressed down mm-hmm. the road, different historical things would happen. The only cool thing was the bottom floor is like it is now, where there's shops and restaurants and all that. The top floors were going to be hotel rooms that so you could actually stay inside the park. That's I wish cool. They, I wish they would do that yeah. somewhere. Yeah, work that in somewhere. Yeah. But they had they were going to have uh besides the Civil War reenactments, battlefields, uh a, an American boardwalk style theme park in a theme park, which I think we saw they already they put <laughs> yeah. that at DCA. Is this inception? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also speaking of DCA, they were going to have World War II flight simulators. That technology became Soren. Uh, mm, and mm-hmm. the uh, Lewis and Clark River uh, attraction became Grizzly River Run. So they moved mm-hmm. all all that stuff into there. Was, but I love was Lewis and Clark going to be like paddle your own canoe at, like they do at Disneyland? <laughs> no, it was good. It was exactly Grizzly River Run. They oh, took, what, like they an had actual? It totally designed and just oh wow. But it uh, became Grizzly River Run. But some of the weirdest things that they were going <laughs> to. This is my favorite. Uh, they were going to have studios and uh, theaters in there where they expected and planned to have presidential debates would be held there in a neutral <laughs> territory. <laughs> neutral Because it was of outside Disney. of D.C. But one of the concepts, too, was that this would be a vacation hub where they would put people on buses to go to the different things and put a Disney service experience on guided tours through D.C. and the surrounding areas. Oh, and that sounds that familiar. Yeah. ABD, yeah. Adventures so, by so Disney. No, no, no idea Disney really ever fully dies. They just put it somewhere else. But I love that he, Eisner thought that the uh, 
American Pavilion was such a rousing success, he wanted an entire <laughs> yeah. theme park of that. It's everyone's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> it it turns out that all of the super wealthy people with horse farms down the road did yeah. not Disney care for it. They want all that traffic and and yeah, nope. I mean, I get it. <laughs> One of the one of the buttons and signs that Virginia. I saw during the protest said, "Don't let Disney slip Virginia a Mickey." Oh, that's <laughs> so clever! Because <laughs> like as we know, Virginia is already for lovers, so you don't need that here. <laughs> yeah, I would totally visit that park. Yeah, to, me too. I need oh, to bring sure. that concept back. There was going to be like yeah. old timey baseball fields and all that kind of hokum that we're into. Absolutely. Yeah, they kept changing it. When people protested the war stuff, they were going to turn it into, like he said, they had Ebbets Field and different stuff, and then airplane hangers, and <laughs> they, they were all over the like place, and then changed Working it. farm, old-timey farm and stuff. Can, <laughs> yeah. I would love for the 50th of Walt Disney World for them to bring back a lot of this hokey yeah. old stuff. Like, if there if there's a parade, let's. I want to see the the dunking the witch parade and the, float and did, the like, giant sandwich <laughs> one float from each of the yeah old things That'd be really cool old parade yeah. somehow i want to see cool. some of these people of america they've got to be somewhere Bring back the giant sandwich <laughs> yes. just the sandwich even things like even things like how liberty square used to have where the where the christmas shop is now they used to have individual little there was like the candle maker shop yeah. they did that kind of pokey Sort of like Colonial Williamsburg. I think what they figured out with a lot of that stuff, and it just is going away from theme parks in general, is it all takes too long, and it's Mm -hmm. just about next, next. Yeah. Or they want to charge a huge charge for it. Right. Got to add on to it. Um, Mine, I picked uh, somebody that's been around since even before Walt Disney World opened, actually. Uh, And that is the, uh, the very popular still to this day, Orange Bird. Uh, orange bird. Yes, uh, the adorable him. orange bird was created actually in 1969 um, while they were still getting ready to oh. finish opening the parks. The sexiest year. Oh, yeah. Our favorite but year. unfortunately, he debuted in 1970. So, um, And mm. he was created or, or. as a mascot for the Florida Citrus Commission um, in exchange for them sponsoring the Enchanted Tiki Room, which because this was back when I think most at least the e-ticket attractions had sponsors, had outside of the park sponsors. So anytime anybody complains about Starbucks coming into the parks, just do your history. And like, yeah, the old Walt would roll in his. Yeah, exactly. Everything was piecemeal sold. So it was how they opened the parks, basically. Um, the story of the orange bird is, is interesting. I, I actually learned something about him that I did not know, which is very strange. Um, first off, he, he, in, in the orange bird lore, he used to live up north and, uh, decided to migrate to Florida for its high quality citrus. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a carpet bagger. Yeah, he, well, you know, gotta sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he would come to live in the sunshine tree in Adventureland. Um, so other, uh, unlike other animated birds, and this is the, the weird thing that I did not know about the orange bird, he is incapable of singing or speaking. Did mm. you guys know this? Oh, I didn't know that. He communicates mm. through a, an orange dust cloud like a thought bubble above his head. So it looks like a thought oh. bubble, but it's more like a fart that comes out of his head and says words and things like that. <laughs> no but a citrus And fart. so the... And, 
because he is constantly harassed by other birds, he's always looking for a friend. This is, I swear to God, That's part of his story. Um, so basically, he's like Carrot Top. You know, nobody likes him, and he's always oh, looking for oh, and he's orange. Boom, orange nerd. All right. um, That's awful. Yeah. I feel so sad for him now. Yeah. He's so orange cute. I, I know. Well, he looks like he would have a cute little tweet. Why don't they let him tweet? Yeah, he does nothing. They're, so they made they a. Removed from they made a book. Like like other orange colored <laughs> things. Kicked off of Twitter. Oh, like, like problematic. Exactly. Um, so he uh, he first appeared in in television and print and radio, and then alongside uh, the spokesperson for the Florida Citrus Commission, which was Anita Bryant, uh, the forgettable Ooh. singer. Um, and she also narrated a record album, telling his story and singing about him. And it also came with a, a ten page book that I read, and that's where I found out that he couldn't speak, which is really strange. Um, and he did appear as he did appear as a walk around character in Adventureland when the parks first opened and looked nightmarish. He had the big. I think you saw him, didn't you, Jeff? Mm-hmm. He was around in the early seventies. Oh yeah, he had the big orange head, but his body was like deflated. Yeah. It just was, it was like a just sack. one of those like the worst <laughs> mascot you see in Times Square suit. It was like orange fur, with this big obvious yeah. zipper, and then just a giant round <laughs> head. Thin Just shaft, so big round head. Um, but uh, eventually he did disappear um, around uh, the 80s um, as they severed, severed their ties with the, the Citrus Commission. Um, but during his, his reign had gained, uh, had gained uh, some popularity in uh, the haven for weird characters that nobody mm-hmm. likes, Japan. Um, Japan mm-hmm. latched onto him and loved him so that when they opened... Um, Tokyo Disneyland, um, they added him in in 2004 and made him part of uh, a big holiday out there, which is on April 14th, the Orange Day in Japan. So on I Orange Day, they aware there t- was an Orange Day yeah, I, and they crank out tons of merchandise for him. And he's kind of like the unofficial is, mascot huh. of the holiday. Hmm. And is this a made up holiday for him? No, this is a real Japanese holiday. They they kind of added him to that holiday because they loved orange the, the color or orange the fruit. Orange the fruit. What is okay? Yeah, so I wasn't aware that oranges were a th- were a indigenous to Japan. They they, they love stuff. <laughs> they just love stuff. Yeah, they and they're just gonna throw a festival things. for yeah. it if they love it. So yeah. you know. Um, and yeah, so that uh, basically had them bring him back um, to. The Magic Kingdom, where he is that when we started seeing him again over here yeah. was because of the Japanese exactly uh, around okay. around two thousand four uh, that that time period they brought him back and now he's uh, on the Sunshine Tree Terrace sign he's on mm-hmm. Sippers um, in the uh, Jungle Navigation Company Limited Skipper Canteen Restaurant if you look really closely there's a book called Native Orange Birds of the Southeastern United States by Doctor oh, Sid yeah. Truss. So, is that in that? I just noticed that book uh, last time we ate there, which was only a month or so ago. It's in that little short hallway between the main oh, yeah. and those cool and back the, rooms. And he's not just one. at Walt Disney World. That if you're fun. in Trader Sam's Tiki Bar in Disneyland Hotel, there is a figure of him up on the walls. So. Ah, there's a new orange bird sipper for Flower and Garden, yes. right? It's different from the other it's one. It's got little pieces yeah. of orange. And, it's yeah. got orange blossoms oh, on it. Oh, cute. I thought, I, I thought it looked a little different. I'm going to need one of those. But yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't even... Really, 
I think it's it's strange because I don't think that he's in Tokyo Disney any, anymore. I don't think I've ever seen references they, to they, him it's, anymore. It seems from what I've found that it's really only merchandise. There's no dedicated Orange Bird mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just they start cranking out more merchandise around that holiday. You think they would love that? I went absolutely nuts for Orange Bird the first time that we went to Disney World. I I was probably four or five or something, so it was uh, 1974 or 75. And, uh, like, upon driving back to Alabama from there, back to my grandparents' house, everybody's like, what was your favorite thing? Orange Bird. Meeting Orange Bird, getting my picture with Orange Bird, and they sold a little... uh, Sipper cups that came with a thing. It was more like an orange Julius mm-hmm. than anything. Than I remember those. Anything, but it was just, it was in that little, it was just his head with a straw coming out of it. And I had that and loved it. My dad got pissed <laughs> because we'd spend a million dollars to come here to see Disney stuff and you fall in love with a freaking commercial. <laughs> But he was like so it's, mad it's about it. It's a which Disney is, equivalent of waiting for your little orphan Annie decoder ring yes. to get Ovaltine yeah. sold to now you. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I remember being mad when Wyatt like got <laughs> like he's fake. It's commercial. It's the same crap. thing. <laughs> it was funny. It's the same thing. That's all the stuff I typically end up liking. Though, like I love Disney movies and Disney characters, but I really like the stuff that they create for the mm-hmm. parks mm-hmm. specifically. Yep. Like like Jelatoni and, and Figment. Orange Bird, Gelatoni. I don't know. Yeah, I guess Orange I, Bird was been... my favorite when I was little, and then Figment when I was older. I just thought he was so cool. And he's cool. so cute. They're both so cute. Well, speaking of um, birds, um, I kind of want to talk about uh, a really cool fact about two of my favorite Disney things. Actually, arguably, my two favorite Disney things ever. Um uh, starting with Walt Disney's Carousel mm, of Progress. I remember you like that um, little attraction. Yes, I do. I do love Never that heard little of that attraction. Um, so, you know, so with Carousel of Progress, one thing that uh, that I really, really, I mean, I love the whole thing, but there's a, the, there's a, a tiny piece of history um, connection to Mary Poppins in the first full scene, which I believe is the Valentine's Day Really? Scene I can't remember. Yeah, I had so, no idea. Um, if you, if whenever next time you next time you ride the attraction, just take a notice. Um, I don't know if there's still the actual same robins, but the robins that are in the that were in the original uh, Carousel of Progress attraction that debuted at the World's Fair were actually robins left over from the film oh, Mary Poppins. That's cool. Yeah. So. Um, a little bit of history about that. So when they were when they were creating the film, um, you'll you know we've all seen Mary Poppins. We've seen the nest with Mary and the bird or the, with the robins that she holds up when she's singing "Spoonful of Sugar." Um, Walt felt that it would be a great idea to include uh, bird audio animatronics in the film because of the success of the Disneyland attraction Enchanted Tiki Room, which had just previously opened in 1963. Uh, the Robins needed to look real, though, on the large screen. But they were also federally protected, so he couldn't use real ones. So I thought, this well, this is a great time. Couldn't train a real bird to sing to Mary. <laughs> let's, do, let's do. But, you know, the thing was, obtaining skins and feathers was a quite a problem. Um, so Walt wrote to Washington, D.C. to get special permission to get skins and feathers of real Robins, but never heard back. So they're like, you're a psycho. Um, but <laughs> Like, I didn't realize that Robins are that protected that you can't. Well, maybe they, they can't even skin, skin one. 
<laughs> I don't there's, know. There's like we'll, 20 we'll of them out on my time. lawn right now. I can't chase them away. <laughs> I'll ask my brother Randy about it. So uh, apparently at a Los Angeles museum had drawers filled with different bird skins that had been preserved in arsenic, including some robins from 1893. Hmm. Walt um, actually contacted the museum and, you know, do you, do you want to guess what he actually um, ex- gave an exchange to Pickle get the cigarettes. skin of the robins? <laughs> His four skins. Monkey skins. Monkey skins. Uh, he was willing to pay a hefty, a hefty price, but they did it for the, for a handful of free Disney. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I got some tickets yeah. to this little park um, down the road. It only Give cost me, me a dead bird. So the ro- <laughs> I want your dead birds. <laughs> I would trade uh, uh, so. dead birds for tickets to Disney. <laughs> yeah. just, just in case anyone's wondering. Um, so they use the, the Robins that they use that they were incorporated in film. Uh, they use them, they turn around and just like Disney recycles everything. They're still using that. Remember castle mirror magic float that they've been using yes. since like the eighties. Yes. They're yes. still using it today. I had um, no idea that was real. Like I figured it was just, you know, fake feathers and stuff. It's an actual Robin skin. So, um, yeah, they incorporated him into the 64 World's Fair. Mary Poppins opened in August of 64 and the World's Fair opened, I think, in April of that year. That's that's interesting. I think it's pretty cool. The uh, whistling uh, that they used for the filming is actually Mary whistling. Mm Um, but when they repurposed the Robins for the scent for the attraction, Clarence Ducky Nash, which is, I believe, an Imagineer, uh, supplied the whistles for the birds in the new show. He was the original voice of Donald Duck. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, the original Donald voice Duck. of what? That's an apropos Donald nickname. Duck. Oh. Well, I, I, I bet that's how I got that the nickname. Oh, no, no, that's from something else. Oh, um, yeah, you don't want it. <laughs> that's uh, similar to, you know, the dog that's beg- that they're trying to get to do the keys in mm-hmm. the Pirates. That is actually the skin of Walt's childhood dog oh, no. that they wrapped around that. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mentioned the monkeys because they originally, when they were doing the Disneyland Jungle Cruise, they wanted to use taxidermy monkey skins on mm. the. Uh, on the ride, but then Walt said, mm. outside in the weather, that's going to look awfully bad real quick. And I don't want people saying that I killed a bunch of monkeys <laughs> yeah. for my theme park. So yeah. make fake ones. Uh, ironically enough, taxidermied monkey skins are my favorite thing at TGI Fridays. Yeah. Exactly. The the carousel of progress. Robins tie into someone you're going to talk about in a couple weeks, don't they? Oh, yeah. So, uh, and I'll, I'll be back a couple weeks. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about some more Women's History Month um, because uh, Car- Walt Disney Carousel Parks is my favorite Disney attraction and was worked on by a, a uh, woman that's very significant to the company, Harriet Burns, which I believe was the first woman Imagineer that worked for the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we'll kind of talk a little bit more about her and um, another famous Walt Disney woman that I know a lot of you guys are big fans of because mm-hmm. of so sure do. What's your second? Yeah. What's your second? Your other change. favorite thing that you were? You just, oh, Mary Poppins in the, all together. Yes. Wow, that's yeah. cool. That's why that's one thing I love about that little fact is it's a nice connection between my favorite Disney film, my favorite Disney attraction. But like I said, I don't know if they still actually use the same Robins. I can't imagine why they would mm-hmm. have replaced them. Unless they just you know, wear and tear, unless they stop working, but um, 
I mean, the whole attraction is a little bit here at this point. So <laughs> it might need a little refresh. But that's okay. We still love it. Absolutely. Clap along the entire time. Yeah. Heading mm-hmm. in, heading into the fiftieth, I had a question for you guys about something controversial from the twenty fifth anniversary of Ooh. Walt Disney World. Yeah, I think I know what this yes, is. Yes, you know what's coming, right? <laughs> yeah. I would like to know where you stand on the castle cake. Are you a lover or a hater of the cake? I will say, I will, I will preface this by saying that. I think it looks like a hideous monstrosity, but I'm so sad that I missed seeing it in person. And I wish that I could have had yes. a photo of myself in front of yeah, it. I'm not mad at it. I think it was, you know, if that had been like my one trip, you know, I think back to, um, I have a friend, Jennifer, that they, she went on her very first trip to Disneyland back in, um, to that early 2016. And during the t- at that time, they were working on the castle for the 60th anniversary. They never saw the castle because it yep. was completely covered up with a scrim. So mm-hmm. I-, I guess, you know, if that had been my first or only trip, I maybe would have been disappointed. But I'm not mad at it because, I-, I mean, it's ugly, but, but it's, it's kind of cool at the I same time. Can't- it's, it's not as bad really as when they is. had stitched toilet paper, the damn thing. So that was... Yeah, that, I wish I had yeah, seen that, I like that in person, too. too I wanted to see that, but I'm like, who thought that they were not going to get complaints about that? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I may be... We've saved yeah. our whole lifetime for this trip to Disney and someone rolled the... <laughs> the big sign that says <laughs> Stitches King. Like, oh, I hope you love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of the, the big maybe controversies chosen. over it is that uh, Disney fairy tale weddings had only recently launched, Ooh. and that was one of the big mm. things that they promoted of the, during the cake mm-hmm. part just or before the, part. the cake part. It had just happened, and maybe. a lot of the brides who signed up to have their wedding there were not happy that they lost the fairy tale castle backdrop. Yeah, yeah there's no fairy tale involving a 300-foot tall yeah. The wedding of Two Toots and Sparkles the Clown went over smashingly that year. I mean, they were like, they paid extra for it. Maybe if it hadn't been so painted. Yeah, It looked it just, like a big, uh, like, like blow-up bouncy house. It just, yeah, it, it looked like a bouncy yeah. house. <clears throat> well, maybe they could have made a smaller a scale version of it and put it back mm-hmm. in Mickey's tomb. That does look like it belonged in Toontown. That's it's, where it belonged. Yeah. But I, I am a, you know, I am, I'm a big fan of what they're planning yeah. to do this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. It does I look it pretty. Uh, subtle, mm-hmm. but also you can tell like something, I, there's something mm-hmm. that I loved what they did uh, for the 60th out yeah. at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. That was very pretty. That, that was gorgeous. Like the castle, yeah. Well, I mean, with the projection mapping, like it would be really cool if like, Maybe for five minutes every night, they turned it into the cake again, just sort of celebrating oh, the history of it. I would love you know? that. Yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. Um, call, me, call, call the Bob. TMC. Yep. That needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what <do> I need? <laughs> I'm trying back at your castle. <laughs> call me if you want it, Bob. It, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. I kind of, I really now. Yeah. I really hope so because that, uh, yeah, yeah, the crowd would really appreciate. It. And they can do so much now with that projection mapping. Yeah. It's all of it is incredible. I really loved Christmas time this past year when they didn't put up the icicle lights and they did the the different projections on the castle. That was I thought that so was cool. cool. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see those in person. I still think I'd probably prefer the the icicle lights just because I really like those icicle lights. But but it's it's nice to get a change every once in a while. Probably projection map those icicle lights on. And then, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. 
That would be fun. And once you, they now have all the projectors and I'm sure all the templates mm-hmm. for where to map them, it, putting new skins on there is probably pretty easy. Yeah. Well, I, I'm excited to see what, I don't think a lot of it will happen right on the, the anniversary this year, but yeah. I'm excited to see mm-hmm. the things that do happen. And we get, like they celebrated the bicentennial for two years. We get this we'll for 18 months, they've said. So yes. they, they were official about it. They're like, no, we're going to do this for this long. <laughs> yes. That's pretty yeah. much what they did on the 60th but at yep. Disneyland, but it started Earlier. a little bit Sorry. before the anniversary yeah, and went past day. it. And they're obviously just trying to go I think they're hoping that the second half the of the situation. celebration will actually be the celebration they had planned. So I would like mm-hmm. to see a new parade. Maybe something something for the nighttime would be nice. I'm starting yes. to wonder if they're ever going to have a night. Mm-hmm. They really need to. Especially after seeing the Maleficent dragon at night when we went for the villains party. Oh, yeah. like, she Very would be cool. so great in that parade at night. Just it doesn't make sense. We need a Spectre Magic 2.0. <laughs> <No. laughs> Do we? Yes. There's already there's already rumors that uh, Main Street Electrical is making one last trip across country before they before they travel. finally smash all the bulbs and chuck yeah. it, 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 it down. Yeah. <laughs> that could be interesting. I, I'm very excited for the for the 50th anniversary this year. I, I know I've got my there, party there, um, and I've got my tissues <laughs> already. And, uh, Let's go get in line. <laughs> yeah. Maybe That's next cool. week you could go ahead and go down there. Yeah, just start camping out. Well, thanks for hanging out with us again this week. If you're excited to see how Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom is looking after 50 years or explore anywhere else around the world, Key to the World Travel has an early 20th century American small town main street full of expert travel planners, and they're ready to make your vacation dreams a reality. Head to www.keytotheworldtravel.com. Get started with a no-obligation quote. Don't forget to catch up with our friend, the Theme Park Professor, for all the latest theme park news and tips at www.themeparkprofessor.com. Word of mouth is always the best way to help us grow our show. If you have a friend or two who you think would appreciate our special brand of globe-trotting jackassery, tell them what makes our show so great and send them our way. You can find links to subscribe to the show on your favorite apps and all the latest updates at www.goldkeyadventurers.com. We can't wait to hang out with you again next week, and we'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye, uh, little everybody. known Disneyland trivia. Uh, Flo's V8 Cafe is actually run by the Children of America. <laughs> To ask a question or share your travel story, you can reach us by smoke signal, carrier pigeon, or send an email to goldkeyadventurers at gmail.com. And make sure you follow the Gold Key Adventure Society on Facebook and Instagram. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Key to the World Travel. For all your travel planning needs, visit www.keytotheworldtravel.com for a free quote and help planning the trip of a lifetime. Tell them the gold key adventurers sent you. That's www.keytotheworldtravel.com. Key to the World Travel, your key to a magical vacation. Thanks to Outer Vibe for the use of their song Hoka Hey for the intro and outro of our show. Find them on Facebook at The Outer Vibe or check out www.outervibe.com for tour dates, music, merch, and more. We'll see you next week for another meeting of the Gold Key Adventure Society. And until then, remember, life is short and the world is wide. So go have an adventure.